I don't know what this is all about, but I'll play along. Welcome to the first episode of Reforge Radio. I am Kyle Ferguson. I am joined by Jason Lucas. Today, we are going to dive into how to survive the campaign. It's a good story, but you have to play a rather difficult and maybe older video game to enjoy that story. We want to make sure we take your hand through it, but it, it's a it's a nice hand. It's a comforting, warm hand. This hand is not a pro hand. We understand that there are some things to optimize your play that you simply don't need to do to enjoy the campaign. We just want to make sure you can comfortably play it. And that's the goal today. Absolutely. We are we are here. We're on the eve of Reforged launch. We're recording this the night before the game releases, and it's been a long road. You know, we've been looking forward to an official War 3 remaster for many years. We've been looking forward to this particular re- release for over well over a year now, and uh, here it is. It's, it's almost at our fingertips, and I know I've heard from a lot of people who are interested in the game. They like the characters of WoW or of the Warcraft universe, but they don't really know the story. And uh, they've never played Warcraft 3. They have very low uh, experience with RTS. And so what this episode is really going to focus on is if you did your pre-order or you're on the fence about purchasing the game this week and you're going to start working your way through the campaign... As Kyle mentioned at the top, it's an older game, and they don't make them like they used to. The game doesn't really hold your hand too much in terms of teaching you what it really needs you to know. And if you want to get those juicy story bits and see this this really good, uh, you know, prime Warcraft material uh, based on your own deeds, uh, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Is, is some ways to help you do that. And bonus points if you're going to stream this game. We're going to help you to talk to that Twitch chat. We're going to make sure you can at least defend yourself and know what the heck they're talking about when they say, cue your workers, OMG. All right, but just, <laughs> just to dive right into it, first and foremost, I was 14, I used cheats, and it was an awful experience. I, I basically did it for the cutscenes. YouTube exists today. You don't have to do that. Don't use cheats. There are really, really fun old school cheats available for this game that you can type on and get all the gold you want. But guess what? Every single mission grows on the previous one. It teaches you how to do something, how to build something. If you just zoom your way through the game, you're going to get to the end. And you're going to have to cheat there, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's sort of like uh, the, the campaign is this curriculum that builds on itself as you learn different skills and play each mission. So if you start taking shortcuts early on, that entire playthrough is going to be much more difficult for you. I was about 20 or 21 when War 3 came out, so I had a job and I could afford the collector's edition. With came It came with a DVD that had all the cutscenes on it, so I just ended up failing the levels I couldn't do, and then I watched the DVD. Uh, so yeah, you know... Um, you can scale the difficulty, pick something that's comfortable for you, and and try to you know challenge yourself to develop the skill and, and learn the game. Now, like a lot of old games during a time period where things weren't as mainstream, particularly story games. Nowadays, story games are basically interactive movies. There are crazy difficulty spikes. There are certain levels, and for spoiler-free, I won't mention any of them, but you know who they are. It can be very punishing. Don't be afraid to restart the level when you're going. If you lose your army early on, if you lose part of your main base, 
If you make a decision you don't like, you accidentally destroy a weapon. You can't attack weapons on the ground accidentally. Just restart the level. There's no harm in doing it. Yeah, keep a nice bank of saves as you go. You know, when you hit that checkpoint, you know, or you finish a tech tier or something, just drop an autosave real quick. So you have some options. Um, some of these campaign missions are pretty long, you know, uh, uh, especially by modern standards. I feel like some of the missions that require you to hold your attention for like 45 minutes and up, that can be a big ask in, in, in this gaming environment. So make sure you have a good inventory of saves. And yeah, you are going to, you, sometimes you're going to have to learn by trial and error. You're going to lose campaign missions and you're going to have to restart them and, you know, pick yourself back up, dust yourself off and try a different route to to complete the level. Sometimes you enter a map that you think is the entire map, then phase two hits and that was but the corner. And now you must invade several more bases. Hit those saves. Take a break if you need it. It can be an intense game. But take the time to explore the map. There are side quests, Easter eggs, and hero experience to gain. And the hero units, your Arthuses, your Janas, they go with you from level to level. You can enjoy them. You can embellish them. Pick their talents as you want them to be. Trade around their items. That will progress with you. They'll reset your base. They'll reset your units. You won't keep your gold. Your heroes travel along. Yeah, the hero unit concept was kind of unique when Reign of Chaos came out back in 02. It was sort of the big hook for the game, right? You had these these characters that were front and center in the narrative. You uh, retained their services from map to map. You powered them up. They got new spells. The spells ranked up. Um, they had inventory with different items that you could use to power them up or, you know, have some kind of effect on the battlefield and... You know, this this was the the hook in War Three that was the genesis of MOBAs themselves. Um, your heroes are very important units, and if you invest in your heroes by taking your time, getting that XP, finding those items, your heroes can carry you through some pretty sticky situations. And in most cases, I would say the hero units are really fun to use in Warcraft Three. So don't ignore them. I don't. I don't. I don't think you're really influenced to ignore them or to not really you know make the most out of them, but um, it is it is definitely a focus of the gameplay, and if you make the most out of each map, it will you'll have a better experience overall because your heroes will be that much more powerful. It's a huge part of the power pie that you're playing with. They have taken the normal unit and made them rather weak compared to your hero unit. You might be seduced to baby them and keep them in base while your army goes out. For the most part, the mission will let you know that x hero cannot die on this mission or you'll have failure there will be very clear signs that you need to keep them alive otherwise they regenerate it's fine enjoy yourself as we go deeper into explaining this game realize we are talking about the campaign there are pre-built bases for story's sake you are given small forces to start with your heroes are selected and you just saw them in a cutscene. we are not talking about a multiplayer we're not talking about build orders, which hero to build when versus what race, and the layout of your base to protect your workers. Just the campaign. Yeah, again, this is going to be a lot of people's first foray into an RTS game, either in a long time, maybe ever, maybe the first experience with War 3. And I want to help it help it become a friendly experience for you. I, I want you to enjoy yourself and experience this wonderful game that is getting the second lease on life after so many years. 
I I kind of wish that for my first spin through, I had somebody to kind of guide me. So I think it's important that we set the stage in terms of what the game is, how it works, and how we talk about it. And it is a campaign game. You are going to learn alongside the game's design. There's even a voiceover in the very first level from a developer just letting you know how to click, how to move around a bit. It is nice that there was a time before multiplayer kind of exploded that the game would teach you the game itself and not just throw you in the deep end overwatch, you know, just like leave you there scrounging amongst everybody. (laughs) Apex legends. You know, I've got some games recently. I'm a little upset. I I need campaigns. I'm really happy that these older games. It's that late nineties, early aughts kind of voiced over tutorial that gives you very simple instructions as to how to move and select your units and, you know, what the map is and how to get around it. Um, But I think there are some key elements that the game never really explicitly teaches you how to use. And and that's where it creates these sort of artificial difficulty spikes, right? Because if you know how to utilize these things, then you can, you can focus on the, on the task at hand in, in terms of, you know, your, your tech, your units, how you're moving around the map. And if you're stumbling over the mechanics constantly, then that becomes the, the challenge hurdle and everything else just becomes overwhelming quickly. So I already threw one of these at you, but we're going to go through our glossary a little bit now. Workers. This is referring to your base building units, your peasants, peons, acolytes, and wisps. Anytime anyone says your workers are being invaded, you have idle workers, this is what they're talking about. And they should be busy. They should be getting gold or lumber or working on a building, not standing around. That's wasted resources. Yeah, a strategy game, an RTS game like Warcraft 3 is ultimately a game of economy. You're playing against another player or whether you're playing against the AI in the campaign, the more resources you have, the bigger and more powerful forces you can build, the higher tier upgrades you can afford, the uh, more quickly you can replenish your army. So you want to have a healthy worker economy. You want to make sure your workers are well protected and that they're staying busy um, because uh, one of the things you want them doing is collecting a lot of gold. Um, in in general, most of the campaign missions, you'll start off with a, an active gold mine that uh, you can assign your workers to, and they can start picking up gold. And um, you're going to use that gold for basically everything. Everything that you build or buy in the game involves some type of gold purchase. Uh, there may be a few small exceptions, but for the most part. If you are training units, if you're building buildings, if you're buying upgrades, if you're at an item shop, you're going to need gold. So you want to make sure that your workers are working. On top of this is lumber. Use this for upgrades, buildings, and more advanced units, basically to divide your forces and cause a choice to do what what to do with your workers and make sure that they are multitasking. More on that later, though. Food and supply is one of the really interesting things about Warcraft 3. This is a very small game. If you've seen StarCraft, it is fast-paced, it is very destructive, and the armies can grow to massive size. Here we're working with a supply limit of 100. And that is at maximum, with units even taking up more than one supply. Yeah, it's um, it's been a bit of... A, uh, a culture shock coming back to Warcraft 3 after spending so much time in Starcraft 2 over the years because of what you just mentioned. You know, the armies are 
a lot smaller. It's a little bit, uh, well, I shouldn't say a little bit. It's a lot more unwieldy to operate a large force in, in Warcraft three than it is in Starcraft two. And, um, but much like uh, StarCraft II, you do have this tension around your food uh, or your supply. Now, for the most part, capping out your supply in WarCraft III can be a choice. There's a thing called upkeep. It's hanging out on your screen. You can hover over it and see how much gold it's going to cost you in the background, tax-wise, on your gold to run a giant army. That huge max size army is gonna take 40% of your gold income away. A no upkeep army, which is below 50 gold, takes none of your gold. So you may make a choice to hang out at that lower upkeep just to make sure you're not being taxed for a big move you're gonna do later. Yeah, and this ties into the hero unit theme, I think, of Warcraft 3 in a big way because you have these powerful units, you have these smaller armies. So if you can kind of craft this force of a powerful hero unit and a smaller group of higher tech units, and you can complete your objectives in the campaign without crushing your income. Um, alternately, you know, you can take more than one gold mine. You can take additional bases and, you know, play a high econ game. And then maybe you don't care so much about paying the upkeep because you're using a unit comp that you enjoy that has... a a lot of either different units or, or high volume of units. And so you're just playing a big macro heavy game and you have the gold. So you're not too concerned about the fact that most of it's going to your upkeep. This is the game mechanic restrictor that keeps this game small in order to enjoy it. You just need to accept these facts, you know, the taxes in life that happens and it's going to happen in Warcraft three. Having a nice tight little army is fun and enjoy that aspect of it. Now, we're going to just go through some quick stuff here so you are aware of things. Like armor and attack types in the unit bar, you'll see the picture, it's talking to you. And then all their numbers and stats, it'll say type of attack they're doing, such as normal or piercing or siege. And their armor type can also be hovered over medium, light, heavy, fortified. Each of these is a percent base. It makes a bit of a rock, paper, scissors game as to which unit is better against what unit. For the most part, you could ignore this. You can enjoy the game without knowing these things. You can complete the campaign without knowing these things. But if you find yourself in a particularly tough situation, look at the enemy's armor type. If it's in mass, if they are just all gargoyles all the time, check that armor and get something that actually beats that armor with better damage. Yeah, it's not uh, like fire emblem levels of rock, paper, scissors in the campaign where if you make, you know, the uh, the suboptimal choice that you're going to get run over, um, you are, you know, you are designed to win the campaign, but you do have to make smart choices. So uh, it, it is definitely something to keep an eye on. And if you're wondering why you're struggling, it's it's a great thing to keep in mind when you're when you're assessing your your build and, and your tech path. But how do we do that? What does that mean? When we say, well, we need to use different units or we need to tech up differently. Well, what exactly are we talking about there? A lot of this means moving outside of the tier one units. And most of that has to do with upgrading your town hall. This is, everyone calls a town hall, whether or not it's a necropolis, tree of life, great hall for the orcs or the town hall that the humans actually have. There is a button on there that moves it to the next level at great expense. 
that unlocks more buildings and gives you more units. One thing that I, we should probably mention here, and, and we'll discuss this probably as we go through different parts of the campaign over the course of this show. Uh, when you're playing the campaign early on, your access to units, buildings, tech is restricted. They don't throw at you the entire slate of things that your racial kit can build from the very beginning of the game. They introduce things as you go through different missions to highlight use cases for them and just basically make you comfortable with the tech path, how to get those units or that tech out and how to use it. So um, I would say this is something to keep in mind as you're playing through the campaign, but it's a kind of a natural progression as you play through the story. The, the game will introduce new tech to you. You you will have to upgrade your town hall or build different types of buildings to access the higher tech, and then you can utilize it. Doing this tech up is also how you unlock upgrades for your units that make them stronger. And sadly, to tell everyone out there, StarCraft II did an awesome thing for you, which is not part of the Warcraft 3 kit, your upgrades do not follow with you. Those hero choices, those items on the hero will travel from mission to mission. Every mission, you're going to have to upgrade those rifleman guns again. And it is a great way to increase the power of your unit. You spend 100 gold on something and it has three upgrades. That 100 gold went a lot further and you're going to win a lot more of the game quickly, making sure you're upgraded. But it can be a bit taxing in the modern sense. Now, moving on to some control groups, rally points, you can use your control button, the CTRL on your keyboard and a number key to lock in a group of units or a single unit onto that key. If you always want to find your hero, reference your hero, you can control one. Now that hero is always on your one button. You can also do this with buildings, and I highly suggest you do it with your basic barracks whatever have you for your race. Make sure you're constantly producing units out of it and reference it often. Yeah, this I think, if you are new to controlling an RTS, I think this is one of the most important things to get comfortable with. You don't want to be fumbling around with the mouse pointer to get around the map, to get to different parts of your base, and to get a building to produce a unit. You don't want to you know, click and drag your, your window over top of your base, then click your town hall, then click the peon portrait. That is not an efficient way to produce workers. It's not an efficient way to, to econ up. So, and this is tough. This was a thing that eluded me doing well for many years uh, in, in my early days of playing RTS games. So um, you def it, it, this also helps you snap the camera to particular locations because if you double tap, the uh, the number key that you've assigned a control group to, your camera will center on it right away. This is a great way to snap the camera back to your base if you need to drop some farms or create some new buildings. Um, it, if you have multiple army forces out on the map, it's a great way to cycle between them quickly, issue them different commands in the field, uh, whatever the case may be. Uh, control grouping and learning the... Uh, Learning the hotkeys for the different things that your units can do on the command card is uh, its very important. And if you get used to doing it early, it will pay dividends for as long as you play this game. Box selecting. You can drag a box over the units. It can only select 12 units at the time. The same amount of units you can put in a control group 
But if you've got a big pile of forces and you just want to divide them up into control groups or get them moving fast, box selecting is a great way to do that. If you want your units to go somewhere directly after being built, that's a rally point. And you just select the building and click on the ground. And this means when that unit is produced, it'll go to that location. It's great for getting reinforcements ready for a big battle. It's also great to get your workers directly to work. Though, don't forget that you put it on the gold mine. Now there's 10 in the gold mine. You need to get them on the, the lumber. You'll A lot of times you'll hear a voiceover when something completes, a building completes, a unit completes. If you hit the space bar, it'll snap to that last notification. And also you can double click a unit to select all units of that type. Uh, that can help too for quick uh, command grouping. If you want to make a group of footmen and a group of archers, and then you can you you can set those groups up quickly with double clicking and move them around. So these are you know you can use box selecting for that as well. These are all examples of ways that you can take some of the mechanical burden off yourself. Right? You, it's impossible to issue individual commands to every single thing that you want to have happen in this game. You need to use these concepts in order to set yourself up to win. And to win, you need to not have your whole army die accidentally. So that's why we're going to spend a hot moment here to talk about A-clicking. I, I, I know we just talked about fantastical things like armor types and workers and golds, and nothing could be more lame than to just kind of stop the show and talk about A-clicking, A-moving. But it's really important. Hit the A button and then click the ground. When you click the ground normally, your armor army is going to say, oh, you want me to go there? And they go there. Whether or not they're walking through hell to get there. A-clicking means that if they see anything along the way attack moving, they will confront that. They will engage it. They will attack it. That is huge in understanding just how to win this game and also making sure you can go back to your base, produce something while you take care of a base that you're invading or dealing with an enemy force. Yeah, this is a very important concept. And I think if you have any kind of RTS experience, you probably remember a time when you didn't understand how the attack move worked. <laughs> and that first time you build up your cool army of whatever you, whatever you were playing, Marines or footmen or whatever, and you're going to march it across the map and you just move clicked it and you did an attack move and it just ran through a, a veritable minefield and got chewed up and you had to start the mission over. But there's, there's also another modification that we can do when we're clicking around the map. And it's something that I'm not, uh, I'm not too uh, ashamed to say it took me many years to grasp the concept of. And Kyle, why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about shift clicking? So shift clicking allows you to queue up multiple commands in a row. Let's say there's a big avenue right through the middle of the map that you know is rather dangerous, so you want to take a side path, but that particular side path is a little windy. By holding down shift, you can issue a move command, chain it to another move command, and another move command, and what have you. In that way, you can set up much more interesting tactics as well as get your units to do very particular things when they arrive on location. Yeah, the shift click is a great tool to use, especially if you have scouting units, 
Um, it's also a good thing to do with uh, workers. You know, if you want to, if you want to automate a little bit of worker activity as they finish up a building, you want them to just go straight back to harvesting lumber or something like that. Um, this is a skill I didn't even consider using or or mastering for many years of playing RTS games because it had never really been described to me, and I, I didn't understand. I didn't understand how people could do all these complex things with these big armies and these different groups of units. And the answer really comes down in large part to uh, shift clicking and uh, control groups and hotkeys. It's not that all the players out there are amazing and never forget anything. It's that when they build that building, at the same time they command the build, they use shift click to put the worker back on lumber when it's over. Yeah, it's um, it, it, that's the little th- those little edges can create a lot of econ for you, right? Because it's a lot of stuff to remember. There's a lot of timers to keep in your head. You got a farm going over here. You got a blacksmith going over here. You know you want to start those upgrades once a blacksmith is finished, but you're going to need econ in order to buy any of it. So if you're trying to manage all the stuff in your head without shift clicking workers or you know, if if you're trying to find a particular part of the map or scout an enemy and you have uh, scouting units out on the map and you're not shift clicking your A moves, you're just making the game way too difficult to actually operate. Again, the first several campaign missions, the tutorial missions, all of these concepts you can employ and your objectives are very simple. So um, I would recommend that you start practicing with this stuff early on because it's going to enrich your experience so much. And I mean, frankly, it feels pretty badass to be commanding a base and an army with all these different tools because you just look at your minimap and you see all this activity and you really feel like you're commanding this army. And that's the fantasy that I think Warcraft 3 brings to the forefront so well compared to a lot of other RTS games that are just about, you know, the com- amass the army, win the combat. Warcraft 3 is, is that whole hero leading the charge type of fantasy. And it is a much slower game in other ways as well. And here we're going to talk a little bit about what the game actually plays like and getting you an example of what a battle can look like with proper control. When you're heading out on your hero with your units, and let's say you want to go take a small camp, you want to go fight something in the woods, you are microing, you are controlling little tidbits in there as though you were playing World of Warcraft, except for you have all five people. Your melee units are taking the damage. They're tanking. And if your hero has a heal, you're healing them. Should that hero or that unit start to go low, you pull them back. Everything is very valuable. Focus fire units. How many raids have been ruined because everyone attacked different things and we could have killed one of the two things and moved on? These are where those concepts come from that evolved into World of Warcraft, and you can bring a lot of that knowledge with you. But you need to value what you're creating because you spent your hard-earned gold on it. Yeah, we spent a lot of time so far tonight talking about econ, macro, right? These concepts of, like, you need to acquire gold. You need to acquire lumber. You need to build buildings so you can build units. Well... If you're just going to issue them move commands into the field of battle and let them die, then you didn't really do that much with your econ, did you? This is this is kind of where all of these things pay off. This is why you do this. 
this is another <laughs> this is another concept of, of this game and and games like it in general that is simple and when someone tells it to you you go oh right yeah that makes sense but i never thought of um initially you can have multiples of your production buildings and you can effectively cut the build time of your units in a half or a third because you can make multiple at the same time and having two footmen coming out of two barracks is faster than having two footmen queued up at a barracks the basic rule of thumb is that you have five workers per gold mine night elves and undead have a hard cap that you cannot do more than five orcs and humans allow you to put as many in there as you want but they do not work faster they do not work harder they just make a big line outside five per mine and for your lumber you're looking to have about seven honestly depending on where you are in the game you might not need that much lumber ghouls are an entirely different world they attack faster they move faster you only need five there but look for that five on a gold mine seven in the woods getting that lumber and for each base repeat that number and make sure you're watching your gold amount gold mines run out and it's a pressure in the multiplayer that brings enemies together. Otherwise, we'd all just kind of make pretty cities and take forever. By the gold running out, you are forced to move outside your base to get in dangerous positions. Put yourself in a bad position that could cause the enemy to invade. Yeah, and if you play the campaign as slow and greedy as I do, you're also going to run into situations where all your gold mines are. So um, it, it, it is kind of a, a uh, an interesting pressure that it puts on you and again the game is not going to teach you how to optimize your economy with, with undead and with night elves it's kind of obvious because there's slots around your gold mine right and the little ui elements fill up and the guys stand in the runes around the gold mine and there you go you're not you're not assigning any of their workers to that so um you, you know you do want to make sure that you have a healthy economy but also that you're not just spamming workers onto your gold mine um, you you need to you need to have a little bit of everything in order to have a functional uh, a functional base a functional economy a functional army and again these are things that will be introduced to you slowly as you work your way through the campaign because at first you don't have that many options so you're not going to feel this economic pressure but then they're going to give you a cool new toy that you need to figure out how to afford and and that's where you have to start thinking about your macro game. Let's get to just the campaign biz. The the things that aren't part of the multiplayer, the things that will get you through a campaign in a joyous way. First of all, anyone who's played this a thousand times knows that those crates have stuff in them. There are tiny little... I mean, they were poorly animated in the past, and they animated poorly when they fell apart. Now they're probably beauteous crates. We'll see tomorrow. Destroy every crate you find and get the items inside. It'll help out. I mean, listen, I, I would imagine if you're listening to this show, you've probably been playing video games a long time. And if I've learned anything from my 30-ish plus years in the hobby, it is destroy everything that can contain anything. Crates, barrels, oil drums, whatever the case is. If you see it, break it open because there's probably something good inside. And uh, Warcraft 3 is no exception. Now... Each control group can hold those 12 units. You have the upkeep that starts building after 50 units. If you want to play this easy mode, 
make 12 awesome units. If you want to just take a footman and replace him with a knight later on and just have one tight group with Arthas and Jaina just hanging out, you can beat the game that way. And that is a very enjoyable way to beat it. Yeah, and it's it's also, uh, it might be a little bit less overwhelming or intimidating for somebody who's not comfortable with the RTS trappings. Again, it is something that sets Warcraft 3 up apart, I feel like, even to this day. Um, we haven't seen a lot of games... E- that sort of t- take this concept forward. We saw it in the Heart of the Swarm campaign a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you want to focus on on your hero, you know, you don't you don't get to choose your hero in the the campaign, right? You are assigned the hero for the appropriate mission or heroes. Um, so you want to make sure that in the time that you're using these units, you are feeding them XP. You can find XP by, you know, killing uh, various uh, minion camps and things like that on the map. Uh, You want to make sure that you're finding equipment for them uh, because you want to level up their spells and and learn new spells. Um, And I think that it is is a very powerful, uh, it's a very powerful choice. And if you are, if you want to play through the game, see what these characters are about, see how the story set the stage for World of Warcraft. I think it's a very strong uh, play style because you're not going to have to get deep in the weeds with builds and, and with tech. You will need to pay attention to it. You will need to use the new units that the campaign presents you as you go along. But the the heavy hero focus is fun. I mean, if, we've, if Warcraft 3 uh, left any kind of legacy in the isometric gaming space it's that hero units are a lot of fun it'll be really cool i'm really excited for to see everyone getting to see the birth of so many abilities though they did redo the art so i'm hoping wow gets a transfer of that nice art now because even death (laughs) coil and everything looking real cool in there yeah i mean the facelift looks fantastic and it's funny because you know an entire generation of players may not realize the roots that this stuff really has wow or heroes and and the other mobas that came from dota the core of these things were based on the hero units in this game and the abilities and the archetypes so um it's it'll be interesting to see people revisit it or to experience it in this context for the first time this is like the progenitor of a lot of these types of abilities uh, it'll be it'll be really fun to see what people think over the next couple of weeks as they start diving into this stuff. Let's continue talking about the the heroes for a moment here. You're going to have item slots. Each hero has six. You do need to manage these a little bit. You will get more items than you can hold. You might have more than one hero. Divide it up. Give armor to your tank heroes. Give intelligence to your caster heroes. You can even see what type of hero you have, whether it's strength, agility, or intelligence. They get bonuses for having extra stats in those particular stats that they are a hero archetype of. You'll find tomes on the ground that are permanent stat bonuses for them. Giving them to the right hero can help out. And it's worth noting that there is no RPG slot elements in play. You can wear six boots and two hats if you wanted that to be your entire inventory. As the story goes on, characters will leave your faction and come back. They will drop items on the floor. You never have to worry about a 
character death coming up in a nearby cutscene, taking away any of your good items. They will be in a nice little pile for you on that next mission. Yeah, which I think is a really important element of the gameplay because you are so sort of guided to invest in the hero units and power them up, you know, give them these powerful items and, you know, try to make the most out of these units. If you had permanent loss on items that you had collected and invested in just because of story conditions, rotating a unit out of being available to you, I think that would feel really bad. And especially in the context of playing a video game in 2020, that's not what we're used to. Uh, one thing that I have traditionally found myself uh, running into when playing through the War 3 campaign is, uh, like many players, I have a tendency to hoard items, you know, and then you don't end up with uh, inventory slots available to pick up new items, and then you're holding on to that consumable that you just haven't found the perfect situation to use yet. I'm going to try to break that tendency as I play through Reforged again and try to just get value out of uh, out of items to whatever degree I can instead of having to discover an item out on the map and then try to figure out how I can pick it up and then end up burning items anyway. Um, I think that's a, a good advancement to, to make. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to use. I would say, you know, come on this journey with me and don't be afraid to use it. Uh, let's Let's get the most out of our items this time around. A good rule of thumb there is four passive items, one slot for a scroll of town portal so you can go back to your buildings should they be under attack or if you don't feel like walking, and then one slot open for potions or scrolls that you might find along the way. There is a bit of a downer here for those of you who love turning over every rock and opening every box and exploring the whole map. To make sure the game is balanced, there is a hero level cap per level. You will reach a point, usually after your first full level and into the next one, that experience stops being gained. Keep exploring for your own fun, but you don't have to grind out your hero. There's no advantage to doing absolutely everything. You will not be more powerful than they want you to be for that next level. Yeah, I, um, you know, I have a tendency to try to just overpower my characters in any game where I can possibly do that. And there really is no, there's no method that Warcraft 3 allows you to do that. Because if there was, I think it would, it would kind of blunt the fun of the game. Because your heroes would quickly outscale anything that could be dangerous to them. And it's just not really the kind of experience they wanted to create with the campaign. So you do want to make sure, I would say whenever possible, you want to make sure that you you cap your heroes when you can. You know, if you can get that experience on that map, make sure that you get it. Uh, but yeah, I, I think your first time through, as long as you're comfortable with your situation in the mission, if you have a healthy economy and a healthy base, I encourage you to uh, to look at every corner of the map, every nook and cranny, you know, overturn every rock. There's all kinds of funny stuff out there there's some interesting stuff to find and um you know you can get cool items and uh just you'll see some uh some familiar units if you're if you're uh, a wow player some interesting uh uh creeps that made their way into our hearts and minds over the last 15 years so i would i would say 
just bear in mind you aren't going to get that power benefit on your on your hero but yeah if you're if you're new to the game um i encourage you to take your time and and just see everything that these maps have to offer there's even i i actually i don't know i don't know if they're going to do okay yeah, yeah i don't know if they're going to redo the easter eggs for the starcraft 2 that never was in that engine that'll be interesting I'm yeah, curious about that one. I don't know. I wonder if they're going to leave that stuff unchanged or if there's like updated ones. Oh, just um, that hideous, hideous <laughs> old hydralis sitting in that cavern in the top corner. <laughs> Heck yeah. Hopefully it's the exact same model. That would be that would be great if they just ported the old model over. That would be shocking. Two more tips before we go. There, We did mention those armor types. Buildings are fortified. Starcraft machine guns zergling claws they all rip buildings to shreds fortified is a very special type of armor that requires siege to get through it quickly otherwise it's exactly what you would expect a bunch of swords hitting a building to look like it is a slower game it is worth building those siege units if you want to go faster yeah your siege units are extremely good at what they do um and you have to invest a lot in protecting them. So it's um, it, it creates this interesting tension, I think. And you're not going to run into these right off the bat. Uh, typically, you, you start getting access to your, your siege weapons a little bit later in the process. So you'll have some skills under your belt uh, before you get introduced to these. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there, there are certain missions where destroying enemy structures is really important or really expedient in order to, you know, claim victory. And in those situations, you definitely, I would definitely recommend using your siege units. You just have to be, uh, you have to be deliberate with them. You know, you have to use them for siege and you have to defend them. And, uh, and then you can really see, uh, the, the benefit that they provide compared to just throwing a stack of, of melee units at a building. And the bane of every tower defense player ever, there are flying units in this game. And it is worth it if you're going to sort of do the easy thing of massing one unit, make sure it can attack flying. These are your human riflemen, your night elf archers, your troll headhunters, and your crypt fiends with the web upgrade. They need tanks. They need someone in front of them. They are the squishies. But flying units can ruin your day. And in general, the pathing in this game is amazing. If for some reason, even though it's an older game, if for some reason your units are getting stuck, it means you need flying units to access that area. Or you need to destroy the woods, which the game will teach you how to do. Oh, speaking of destroying the woods, you probably want to keep an eye on the overall map and uh, make sure that when you're starting to uh, collect some lumber around your base, you actually, in most cases, are cutting down the trees and removing them from the terrain, thereby opening up pathing. So uh, keep that in mind as well. That's something that if you're coming from like StarCraft 2, there's really no equivalent to that in terms of resource gathering. It's like, imagine if to get gas, you had to break destructible rocks or something. Oh, so. Don't give them that idea. I think <laughs> that could still happen. But yes, uh, corners are your friend. Invest your lumber workers to work themselves into corners Well, they will not open up additional paths into your base. We went through a ton of stuff today. 
I encourage you to listen to this episode again because that, that it can be done that way. This wasn't a live performance. Enjoy this episode. Get the glossary in your head. Enjoy the campaign. You may motor through it faster than we do on this show, and you might be a little slower. We're not going to leave you in the dust. We are not going to be your book companion and spoiling anything for you. In fact, next episode, we're going to be talking about Medivh, who is introduced immediately without any introduction and is a rather important part of the entire Warcraft story, including Warcraft 3. Thank you all for joining us. You can find everything about the show over at kyleferguson.com, including a contact link. There will be future mailbag episodes, so feel free to write into the show. We'll see you next time. Next time.